everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Hypochondriac's Almanac, and we are recording on this lovely Thursday evening. I am Sarah. I'm here with my co-host, Katrina. Say hi, Katrina. Hi. This is the medical podcast, for those of you who didn't know. <laughs> Let's talk about a few little disclaimers before we get started. First and foremost, we're not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals. Please, please, please don't take what we say as a diagnosis. This is not medical advice. We're not trying to treat you or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun and weird parts of the medical world, past, present, and future. Let's jump right in. Today, we're going to talk about a very relevant, very interesting topic, and that is kids and screen time, whether it be with their phones or whether it be video games, television, There are so many different social media apps, all kinds of things that kids can get involved with today. We're going to share a little bit about what the impact is of these things on your child's brain, on their physical well-being. And then Katrina's going to share some personal stories about her children and their screen time experiences. Are you ready to go, Katrina? Yeah. So I'm going to start it out by talking about teens and screen time because it seems as though teens want to spend an exorbitant amount of time on the screens. They want to watch TV. They want to play video games. They want to text their friends. They want to do everything with respect to electronic devices, and they don't want the limitations with respect to how much time they're allowed to spend. The typical teen logs about seven hours a day and more than 50 hours a week glued to the television, computer, or cell phone. Yikes. Yeah. And I, I who knows how much the younger kids have and we're gonna Katrina's gonna discuss some some of that perhaps in a bit. Screen time can be fun. The problem is that too much of it can take a toll on your health, grades, and your well being. Here's some important facts about screen time with respect to the kids. You risk packing on pounds if you let your children spend too much time in front of the screen. One study says teens who spent the most time in front of the screen had the biggest increase in body fat over time. So if you're staring at the TV or computer, are you using up the time that you could be spending on something active like riding a bike, taking a walk, playing a game outside, any one of those? This seems pretty obvious to some people, but when you're spending a lot of time on on the screen or watching TV, commercials for fast food also pop up, get you inspired to make perhaps more unhealthy choices when it comes to your diet as well. Here are some signs that technology may be taking over your life a little bit more than you want it to. Are you missing parties and other events? Are you staying up late to catch up on your favorite show? Are you eating meals in front of the TV or computer? Are you going to bed with the television on? And this doesn't just apply to teens. This can apply to kids and adults of any age group. If you're experiencing those four things, technology, TV, social media, any of that is taking a little bit too much time over your life. And maybe you need to reevaluate how much time that you're spending involving that screen time. Yikes. Yeah. So I don't think kids should have, I don't think teens should have TVs or electronics in their rooms at night at all. Did Bella have that? No. Yeah, so you just shut it's that down. It's always been a, a rule in our house, no screens, in, no TVs, no screens or anything in any of the kids' rooms. Yeah, and I remember when we were growing up, I was the only one. I had a TV in my room. I think I got one when I was like 16 or 17. 
And I spent quite a bit of time <laughs> watching that TV. <laughs> I spent a lot yeah. of time on that. What you can do about it. Uh, make plans to see friends regularly. Record your TV shows to watch later so you can get a good night's sleep. Make sure you're eating at the dinner table and away from screens. Take the TV and the computer out of your room and limit the cell phone time for your teens. Tell them, you know, they're not allowed to bring that cell phone to the table. They're not allowed to interfere with family time and they have to turn it off at a certain time. I, I believe that some families actually have a little space where they turn the cell phone off and put it on in a bowl or on a table and they're not allowed to, to mess with that after a certain time in the evening. You can also put on your kids' um, cell phones, you can put a limitation on their screen time that it shuts off after a certain amount of time. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with that. It's in the settings. It's easy to do. I don't have any kids, so I'm not really sure on that, but I know sometimes I spend a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of screen time, and I should probably well, maybe you should that do that a little bit more. Own phone. Definitely. Texting equals tiredness. It's tough enough for most teens to hit the sack at a reasonable hour after homework, sports, and other activities. If you're still tax, if you're still texting after lights out, you're robbing yourself of the eight to ten hours of sleep that you probably need. Here's some signs that you're texting too much at night. Oh my God, this is me. You keep texting <laughs> even after you've gone to bed. You stay awake waiting for another text. You wake up tired. Oh my God, all of that. That's me. In abundance. No, so that's not me. Experts recommend stashing your cell phone outside your bedroom at night, turning off your phone 30 minutes before you go to bed, muting it and tucking it somewhere in the room where you can't see it. Very, very important. It's hard enough to get a good night's sleep as it is. If your phone is distracting you or your teen, then it's time to reevaluate that screen time. Playing violent video games can harden teens. This is an issue I think that is increasingly impacting children of a younger and younger age. Video games can be fun and thrilling, but scientists are finding that the ones that involve war, violence, and murder can make you more aggressive and less sympathetic towards other people. They may also make it more likely that you'll do something violent to yourself. That's crazy, right? Jeez. Signs that you may be gaming too much. You're often grumpy and get angry easily. You have very little patience and very little patience, excuse me, you get into fights regularly. I mean, those could be signs of other things as well. But if your child is playing a lot of video games and, and things that have a little bit more violence in them, then it could be impacting their brain. As a parent, you should gradually cut back the gaming time, find friends who'd like to try other things for fun, and switch to less violent video games. Obviously, that's something that's sort of been controversial through the years. It's like, Children who listen to certain types of music, they say, have propensity towards certain things. And these violent video games are definitely one that's been sort of a trigger thing through the years, right? Uh, agreed. Do your children play violent video games? No. So you limit no. them on that? Oh, yeah. I think that a lot of people are <laughs> that I've talked to don't. Because we, I mean, the kids' friends, they're, they don't have a lot as many limitations as we put on our kids. But I can tell you right now, my kids aren't violent. Yeah. My kids aren't physically violent. And although my teenager is grumpy at times, he's not violent. Right. And I limit their, their screen time quite a bit. Yeah. And I make sure that they have a lot of outdoor 
time and they go out in the neighborhood and ride bikes and, and do kids active are active. Things. Yeah. You know? So And I can tell you, like academically it they're doing well, even though they have my you know, Maya's doing well in school, even though she has a dis- learning disability. You know, it's I don't think that people really realize how much screen time impacts their their children's ability to learn, their sleep patterns. There's so much that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. There are actually scientists are now saying that too much uh, screen time can actually cause depression, too. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, for real. And it can change how you, you how you view reality. Right. Have you ever spent like a day where you like binged on something? Yeah. Like on a show? Yeah. Did you ever notice that you're kind of cranky afterwards? I don't know about that, but I don't really binge that often. When I talk binge, I'm like, because I'm a very, very busy person. I have 8 million things I need to do in a day. There, it is a very, very, very rare instance that I stop doing everything and do one thing for a couple of hours. I know that my boyfriend will sometimes binge watch a series on Netflix, but I will be mm-hmm. needle felting and editing and doing 500 other things while I'm binge watching. Now, if I was to sit down and try to binge watch an entire episode on a show, I would probably not be a very happy person because I would feel like I wasn't getting the things done that I need to get done. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves for myself is wasting time during the day. Well, and I I don't know exactly what happens to the body, but for me personally, I'm just more of a cranky bitch Yeah, if I've spent too much time watching TV. Research actually shows that the more TV you watch, the more likely you are to be depressed. Crazy, huh? Yeah. No, it's, I believe it. Watching TV and spending time looking at a computer screen takes time away from other fun things like hanging out with friends, playing sports, reading a book, getting other things done around the house for both teens, smaller children, and adults. And shows with ads can send unrealistic messages about what you should look like, what you should own, or how you need to, what you need to do to feel good about yourself. So there's just a lot of negative stuff on there that can overtake your life, whether you be a teen, a preteen, a young child. You just have to be really careful about what you're allowing your brain to process and you have to limit those amounts of things. Signs that TV is depressing you. You feel tired after you watch it. You're anxious about what you see. You have trouble sleeping after you watch for a long time because your brain has become too active. Cut back. (laughs) Stop watching so much. Limit your time to two or three of your favorite shows each week. Record the shows that you like and watch them over the weekend. You can also fast forward through commercials so you're not getting as much of that negative influence. And turn off the TV after a certain time. Do something relaxing before you go to bed, like listen to some calm music or read or stretch or meditate or take a bath. That's just one of those things where you need to learn how to limit because I think we tend to not realize how much the screen time can impact us in negative ways. And last but certainly not least, texting and gaming can actually physically hurt you. It may sound kind of dumb, but using your thumb to press the tiny keypads, your fingers, whatnot, on handheld devices can lead to injury. This can this is referred to as gamer's thumb by physical therapists. 
It can also, I think there are increasing studies out as well about vision issues, vision and skeletal issues when kids, teens, and adults are spending too much time either on their phone or, or looking at a computer screen. It can impact your vision. So you will start to have blurred vision because your eyes are looking. When you look at a computer screen or a phone screen, the pixel is pointed. So it is a little bit harder for your eyeball to see versus the pixels on a piece of paper. Those ones are square and kind of chunky. So it's easier for your eyes to see those when you're looking at a computer screen or a phone screen, those are pointy. So it's pointy and narrow and harder for your eye to sort of focus on and pick up without a little bit of extra stress. And then your skeletal structure. When you look at a cell phone, your neck tends to be slightly tilted. You can end up being quite sore if you're spending excessive amounts of time either playing a game on your phone or watching too much YouTube. It can actually impact the way your skeletal structure is functioning. So here's some signs that you may be overdoing it. You'll feel stiff, whether it be your hands, fingers, thumbs, neck, back. The muscles can be sore and tired. Your joints swell up. You get headaches or your eyes feel dry. That's when you know you're spending a little bit too much time focusing on screen time. So limit your time on devices to 20 to 30 minutes a day. Stretch. Take periodic breaks during the day. And I know that that is hard for some people, especially adults that are spending a lot of time on the computer every day at work. But make sure you're taking that time, number one, to find an ergonomical sort of a setup with your computer screen. If your particular company doesn't have a person that specifically does that, look it up online. There are many, many, many websites that show you exactly what the angle is of the screen that is best for your vision, your neck, your posture, how you should be sitting, how high your chair should be to give you the kind of setup where you're not going where you're going to have minimal damage. And then secondly, make sure you're taking that time every hour or two to get up, stretch, move around, have some physical activity so that you're not getting stiff and tired and sore. So with respect to your kids, how much screen time are they allowed to spend daily? Well, for us, I try to keep it to like an hour. But, you know, sometimes it goes over that or under that, you know, whatever. It just depends on the day. Um, There are some days where I'm like, I don't want them to watch anything at all. And then there are some times when I let them watch more, usually on the weekends, I'll, you know, depending on what the weather is like, I might, you know, if the weather's yucky outside, I might let them watch more or if they're sick, but I generally try to keep it to no more than an hour. Uh And that's, that's like watching and game time. Okay. How many TVs do you have in your house? One. And do your kids have cell phones? Gabe has a cell phone. So her oldest son, her teenage daughter is not a teenage daughter. Isn't she 21 now? Yeah. So she doesn't, she's she's out on her own, but she has three children currently living at home right now. How old are your kids again? So Gabe is 13, Maya is 11, and Jack is seven. So when do you say you, your kids are allowed to have cell phones? It depends on the kid Um, and what. If the, if it's necessary, if they so need it. So when did Gabe, um, Gabe get his cell phone? Playing sports, and so we kind of there was a lot of there was a couple different situations where we kind of needed to be able to ha- be able to get a hold of him. Uh huh. Um, 
when his bus didn't show up, you know, there's just certain times where we were like, okay, we need, he needs to be able to contact us. So for sports and stuff like that, I put limitations on his phone. I put uh, parental controls on there and then time limit on his screens. Excellent. So when would you say Maya is probably going to be allowed to have a phone? That depends on Maya and her level of maturity and whether or not she needs it. At this point, she doesn't need it because she's not really the extracurricular activities that she's doing. I'm she doesn't need she doesn't need to be able to get a hold of us. So she it's not necessary at this point. She doesn't really need it, and she's emotionally is not in a place where I don't think she really cares. Right. So talk to me a little bit about what kind of symptoms, signs do you see on your own children when they have spent a little bit too much time either in front of this TV screen or the computer screen or cell phone time, et cetera? Both my boys, when they've had too much screen time, they do get cranky. You know, in the past, they've there's been times where they've thrown the controller wow. on the ground, <laughs> um, which is rare. They don't do that often. Um, just because they will lose their screen time for mm-hmm. a long time if they do something like that, if right. they break a controller or something, or they just won't be able to play because we won't replace the controller because they broke it. You know, what are their so, favorite yeah. games to play on that? So Jax loves to play um, right now. His is planets versus plants versus zombies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But it's been Minecraft for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. He loves the Minecraft. And it was it, that was like a motivation thing um, because Jack has – he does also have sensory issues. And transition is really hard for him in the morning. So one of the things that I figured out is that if if I give him screen time as a motivation, he'll do what I want him to do. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so he'll behave if he knows that you know screen. He can have screen time. So the mom, the mom card, manipul- yeah. <laughs> manipulating the behavior in order to get what well, you yeah, want. I suppose that that's a, a form of manipulation. It's just a reward system that works for him. So like he, I used to he would get up in the morning and he wouldn't get dressed. He wouldn't do anything. Now that he can, now he gets up. He makes his bed. He cleans his room. And he eats his breakfast, gets dressed, brushes his teeth, makes his lunch, puts it in his bag before he can have screen time. Damn, can he come over and do that for me? <laughs> right? I don't no, even get all that stuff thing, done. It's not, a, it's not even a fight anymore because it's an expectation. He knows he has to do those things. So it's like he we don't even – he automatically does it on his own. Okay, mom, what do I have to do next? He comes to me. What do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? So That's awesome. Play. So for me, that's a win. So did I cut you off when it came to telling me what symptoms they kind of exhibit when they've spent too much screen time? Yeah. So what Um, happens? The boys get a little cranky and then Maya gets emotional. She like cries. And then what do you do when you start to see those symptoms? And at that point, it's like you can tell they've been overstimulated. So they need some like quiet time in their room. So generally I'll have them go to their room and have some quiet time because at that point, they're just over. Their brains are overstimulated, and in the in the wrong kind of way. You want them to be stimulated in different ways. So sometimes, just having a quiet area where they can have some, you know, sometimes they'll play with their toys or whatever, and then they'll get over it and they'll be fine. Right. 
Well, okay, so what you have an article too to talk about. What is your article? My article is um, How Much is Too Much? Okay, so let's talk Test about it. Let's break it down. Show the effect of gaming on your kid's brain. So they did, it looks like they um, compared two, child, two boys about 10 years old. One is a gamer and one's a non gamer. And it looks like boys are Cash and Rusty. And Cash is the gamer, and he is really into Fortnite. I Which guess. is a very, very popular game at the current moment, right? Right. Gabe, do, you, do your Gabe, kids play that game at all? Gabe does. He, he doesn't. He hasn't lately, but he went through a stint where he was really into playing it. But I think the the what's fun about that game is he can play his friends or people all over the world, pretty much, like uh-huh. or in the area. And that's fun. And they can talk to each other. That's fun for kids. So, Do you um, feel like there are any risks, though, associated with that? Yeah, I think that can be dangerous because uh, predators use those gaming situations to get in with kids, pretend to be a kid, and then, you know, hey, let's meet up kind of thing. That's creepy. Yeah. um, That's where um, talking to your kids about safety is important. And monitoring, Um, right? Yeah, see, our house is so small, so any games that the kids are playing, we're close by at all times, really. So there really isn't much privacy as far as games go with our kids. You know, just educating your kids and being smart about it, being like, hey, don't talk to some weirdo. You know, if some weirdo wants to meet you that you don't know, you tell them no. Do you worry about it a little bit more with Maya since she does have kind of that borderline sort of autistic, so she doesn't really understand some of the social cues. Do you worry that she's going to be a little bit more victimized than the other kids? As far as games go, no, because she's not really interested in that kind of stuff. Okay. That's not where her interests lie, so she doesn't. she's not really into gaming. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes she'll play with Jack if he asks her, but she really like prefers to just watch YouTube videos about Hatchimals. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's cute. That, yeah, she's. And the she's thing is, folks, kind of like, like Katrina's daughter, it's now her her middle child. She's her oldest daughter is out of the house now, but her middle child, she's just so sweet. Probably one of the sweetest kids I think you'll ever meet in your entire life. Very kind of gentle spirit, like a little butterfly. Very pretty, and sort of she's feminine. She's a Disney princess. Yeah, yeah. That sums it up. Exactly. She's and it's it's cute. Of a Disney princess. It's really cute. And then her boys are just boys, boys. So I'm sure that the video games and the dealing with that tends to be more of an issue for the boys than than Maya. But I mean, who knows what will happen in the future. But I'm sorry, we're digressing. Let's jump back into that article. Um, so Cash and Rusty, uh, they are these the two boys that they um, decided to do this experiment on. Andrew Newberg is the neuroscientist that is doing the investigation, and they did it at the Marcus Institute of Integrative Medicine at Jefferson Health. Okay. He wants to compare a gamer's brain to a non-gamer's brain to see how the response to different stimuli affect them. And granted, these are pre-teens, right? These aren't teenagers or very well, young. Well, it's like one of them's 10 and one of them's 12. Okay, so like pre-teens. Yeah. Um, Amato, a 12-year-old fellow student at Cash's school who loves music, basketball, watching movies, fits the prof- profile of the non-gamer. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Rusty. It's a motto. 
Okay. Occasionally playing a car racing games, but who overall isn't into video games at all. Okay, so they took one who's into it frequently and one who plays occasionally, but it's not really his thing. Correct. And then for the experiment, Cash, they put Cash into an MRI machine while game footage was played in a monitor bolted above his face. So he wasn't playing it. He was just kind of watching some of the footage. Right. Okay, okay. This is the first control. Okay. So... Newberg contrasts a minute of non-Fortnite gaming video from an older shooting game that doesn't have the neon colors, social integration, or fun dances with a minute of neutral video, Birds at a Sunset. Okay. The neutral video is colorful and moving, so it will stimulate some of the visual regions of the brain. Okay. By playing video, the older game on the monitor... Cash will see violence, action, and many of the same stimuli that he sees in Fortnite. It just won't be his favorite game. Okay. After 10 minutes, Newberg stops the imaging and gives Cash a chance to move his arms and legs. Now for the Fortnite portion, to most accurately stimulate the experience of playing the game, video was recorded from Cash's iPad of his actual gameplay. Wow. Complete with his avatar and favorite skins. So he's not actually playing it. They're just kind of playing screen images of his actual game to kind of get him up and going. Right. Okay. And anyone who doesn't know about Fortnite, the skins are part for it, are different features you can add to your avatar to make it more complete. Okay. Within a few minutes, Newberg sees the pleasure centers of Cash's brain light up. The presumption is that the dopamine is firing into his frontal lobes after 30 minutes cash is done. Amato goes through the exact same process. When Amato is done, Newberg analyzes the scans and meets with Cash's mom, who wants to know what's going on in Cash's brain when he's playing the game. Newberg brings up an image contrasting both boys' brains and points to one of the left that has big red and orange blooms of color that Newberg says represent blood flow and stimulation. Cash's brain had much greater activation than Amato's in an area called the anterior cingulate cortex, a structure that can be involved in focus, emotional regulation, and addiction. Ooh. These are the areas that are very involved in our reward system of the brain, he explains, noting gameplay delivers dopamine hits to the brain's reward center, which totally makes sense if you think about it. Newberg explains that brain scans of people with internet gaming disorder and addiction classified in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Wow, that's actually in the book, huh? Show these reward centers are enlarged. It takes more and more dopamine for people with this problematic gaming behavior to experience the same levels of euphoria. So they need more and more and more to still get that same happy time in their brain. Right. Which is just like any other addiction, right? Mm-hmm. The data on gaming and addiction varies widely. A meta study done by Mass General in 2017 examined 116 different gaming studies sum- summarized their findings with the reality there's a lot we still don't know. We are still working out what aspects of games affect which brain regions and how. It's likely that video games have both positive on attention, visual and motor skills, 
and negative aspects risk of addiction. And it is essential and it is essential we embrace this complexity. Wow. Yeah. The reward centers of the brain in people with internet gaming disorder look different than those of non gamers. They are smaller. In layman's terms, the physical structure that signal happiness or satisfaction to the brain are robust compared to people with out the disorder. One possible theory for that difference is that gaming produces so much dopamine on such regular intervals that the part of the brain that makes us happy about little things gets lazy or out of shape. Well, that makes a lot of sense. All this kind of just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like almost seems like duh to me, but not everybody knows. I can personally tell you, so the boys that live in our neighborhood have, they have a lot more, the difference between two different neighbors, we have one neighbor who doesn't limit their kids' screen time. Right. And these, and their boys are just terrible. They're disrespectful. They're naughty. They have like no sense of respect. They're just kind of turds. And then the kids that live across the street from them do have screen regulation and they're more respectful. They're kind. They're. Yeah. But I tend to think that it's not so much a reflection on the limitation of screen time as much as children that have unlimited or non-limited screen time typically have no limitations in other behavioral aspects versus the kids that have limited screen time have parents that care about their behavior and limit them in multiple areas of behavior versus just ensuring that the computer time is limited. You know what I mean? So there's a direct yeah. correlation between I, what, what I'm saying is how much is that related? Right. I don't know. And it's, it seems as though this, these scientific studies that you're showing here in this particular article are saying that that screen time, the more they have, the more it rewires the little things in the brain so that, mm-hmm. that the children are acting different and that their receptors react differently. Right. And that's scary because you wouldn't necessarily think that a video game would change the wiring in your child's brain. Well, I don't know if you know this, but there's been studies that show that any screen time is, uh, is a natural pain reliever. So like if you're in pain, that's why like when you're sick or you don't feel good, you want, you watch TV, it kind of distracts you from your pain. Right. Well, so that would make sense that it would affect you your dopamine i i don't know to me in my brain it just makes sense but at the same time when they're spending all that time playing the games and in front of the screen they're also limiting the time that they would be doing the things that would um, cause their brain to grow in other ways like reading books studying doing homework um, having observational experiences outside the home that would cause their brain to grow as well yeah and i did read an article about children with like learning disabilities that having too much screen time is definitely not helpful that they need all these other situations to happen to help them to relearn what the, the things that they need to learn with the disabilities i just don't see that having screen time has really any positive impacts besides the one that you just mentioned about using it as a reward system to get your kids to do what they need to do like you were saying that it allowed you to sort of develop a reward system for your youngest boy to do his chores and get up in the morning and get dressed and make his lunch and, and all that. I just don't see that there are any other positive impacts besides that. And perhaps you said it was the, a pain 
management tool. Can you think of anything well, that might be a, a positive impact of spending screen time? I'm going back through the article because they're what they mentioned something about motor skills that helps with motor skills and thinking about things. Yeah, but wouldn't there playing was... a game do the same thing like a manual game, like Monopoly or like right. something outside? <laughs> I just don't feel like it's an acceptable substitute for good old I think fashion. it's just like anything else, moderation is important. Right. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything in the world that like you should obsess on. It's just moderation is important. I'm not going to lie, though. I probably spend an hour or two on my phone every day playing a game. I have this cooking game that I play. (laughs) It's awful. I probably waste so much time on that game. I go through through different periods of time where I'll spend more time than I need to on my phone. I'm not going to lie. It's called Cooking Fever, by the way. If you want to go check out the game, it's called Cooking Fever. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't I don't need anything else to be addicted but to right I now because cool. Swear to God, Mike plays probably two hours or more a day of Candy Crush. Shut up. <laughs> he seriously hilarious. does. Like I, he comes home and like from the minute he walks in the door, he's playing that stupid Candy Crush until the time he goes to bed at night. And it's like, you are a grown ass man. This is my boyfriend. You are a grown-ass man. You're playing Candy Crush for three or four hours a day. And on the weekends, oh, good Lord, he can play that game all day. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm kind of grateful that my husband isn't a big gamer because, honestly, I find it quite annoying. Yeah. Um. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting. And it really makes you feel as though... Your conversation, your life, the things that are going on with you don't matter when that person is constantly glued to the screen of whatever game they're playing. Yeah. No. Jamie is more, he is into those food challenge, those those people who eat lots of food. Oh, God. Competitive eaters? Yes. He's really into watching competitive eaters. He's like, I don't know. He's obsessed with it. He watches it all the time. Oh my God, that is hilarious. But I I've think, watched a couple of them with him and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand either. But I think jumping back into this topic of screen time and computer slash cell phone time, I think what's really, really important to kind of notice here is that more and more we are letting our cell phones and our computers and things like that, especially our cell phones, take prominence in our lives i mean you walk down the street and three quarters of the people that you're seeing around you are glued to their cell phone you'll go into a restaurant and you'll see everybody glued to their cell phone are people experiencing life anymore or are they so glued to their cell phone that they don't have memories of anything but their cell phone it's frightening it's true and i've fallen victim to that myself i'm not i can't lie i mean i there has been times where i've just kind of checked out you know, on things because I just, whatever. And I'll just be like, Oh, my phone, you know, I get bored and Oh, my phone. And then, you know, there's been times where I've missed important things. Cause you know, my kids will be like, Oh mom. And I'll be like, oh, I just want to sit on my phone. It could eat. That does happen. I'm not going to lie. Not saying that I do that all the time, but there have been times where I'd rather hang out with my phone than, you know, my spouse or my children. 
So it's not just children that are impacted by too much screen time. I think adults are impacted equally uh, because I think that there have been yeah. studies that have been uh, produced and put out there that show that when you're looking at your phone, you're not stimulating your brain in the same way that if you were reading a book, obviously. These seem all like obvious things. But if you're looking at it at night as well, then it's activating parts of your brain that are not going to allow you to relax and, and wind down. That's why scientists yeah. and researchers suggest that you put that away a certain amount of time before you go to bed so that your brain has that time to uncharge and sort of unwind and prepare itself to go to sleep. And then the same thing at night. Like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if your phone lights up and you look at a text in the middle, let's say you get up and go to the bathroom or something gets you up in the middle of the night and you go to go back to sleep and you pick your cell phone up to check whatever the time is and you look and there's a message and you start looking at that message, then that activates your brain and you wake up and it's harder to get back to sleep. I don't usually do anything with my phone at night but um in the morning to wake up to help me to wake up i look at my phone right and that just shows yeah. you that screen time activates parts of your brain that are not allowing you to relax and rest that is not right. to say that looking at your phone is activating intelligent parts of your brain i think that we tend to choose things on our phone instead of enriching experiences that will help your brain to grow and and you to think so that is something yeah. that we need to be aware of. Pick up a book occasionally. Do an experience for yourself and your family that is going to enrich your brain, your memories, and your life. If you were spending all your time on your phone taking selfies, taking recording everything with pictures, you're missing out on the actual experience. And you're never going to get that back. Yeah, that's true. And scientists have shown that looking at a picture on your phone is not the same as having a full experience where you're looking at it, experiencing it, and not focused on your phone. You have a completely different memory and a completely different experience when you view it through the lens of your phone or a camera versus viewing it through your own eyes as you're experiencing it without the distraction of your phone taking pictures or recording the memories. Yeah, I have to give myself limitations to like hey, during the day when you're home with your kids or you're, you're doing this or you're doing that, you can't be on your phone. Like I, I limit myself because otherwise I'd be on my phone all day and not paying attention to anything that kids were doing. It's addictive for real. It is. And it I'm not really just is. talking about playing the game. I'm talking about checking out social media. And then the thing is I find myself as well when I'm looking at Instagram and Twitter and all these other feeds. And the thing is granted, I, it's a rabbit hole. It's yeah. It's part of promotional marketing and getting your podcast out there or your business. So I get it. There's a difference between using social media to promote your business versus checking out what the Jones are doing on Instagram. And I find myself falling into this trap quite frequently where I'm like, okay, I have a certain budget for food or special items each month that are beyond the necessities like shoes, clothes, hair products, makeup, etc. And I find myself exceeding that budget frequently when I'm on social media a lot because I'll see postings and I, I'm sure the algorithms on, on Instagram and Facebook and, and whatnot 
pick up on the amount of times you click on clothing and certain things and then start to increase the numbers of those things on your feed once you do click on it once or twice so that you're seeing it more frequently and they're picking up and giving you the things that you like so that you'll be more tempted to buy and spend. Mine's more not really clothing, mine's more makeup. But you can still find yourself very quickly exceeding your budget when you're constantly looking at social media or your phone and seeing the things that you like displayed on the screen in a very sort of a provocative way. Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh, I have to have those eyelash things or, Oh my gosh, that cream looks amazing. Look how smooth it makes her skin look or that eye makeup is such a cool color. You quickly mm-hmm. find yourself obsessed with things that you wouldn't normally even think about if you weren't scrolling through social media. Yeah, that's true. So it's good to be aware that the temptation is there and that algorithms and companies specifically design their products and advertising to capture you, to capture that attention that you have and to sort of get you addicted. So limit that time that you're spending. I know it seems sort of a dumb thing to say, but be aware that you're of how much time you're spending on your phone or on the computer and limit your time so that you don't find yourself becoming a victim to overspending or allowing your brain to be overstimulated by video games or TV, etc. or finding that you're not spending a quality amount of time with your family or developing new experiences outside of your house and your cell phone and your computer. Agree. I agree. So Bella didn't really have, did Bella have a cell phone when she was living at home? Yes. So I think Bella was like 13 or 14 when cell phones started to become like a thing. Right. Where like kids were like having them. Uh huh. Bella did have, uh, I get, so I was the mean mom who gave her, a, I think she was 16 when I gave her a cell phone. So and, she had to uh, wait till she was 16 before she got one. Yes. And I got her a prepaid one. So she had to earn her minutes. Oh, good. excellent I was the mean mom okay what else but she got one when she was 16 did she run through those minutes very quickly yeah it took her a while to kind of figure it I think it helped her though to kind of like gauge like and have an understanding of like how much it costs you know because she would go through the minutes so fast and then again she would she would go like a month without without having any minutes because she would wow be like oh my gosh I have to earn more you know like and you know it's a motivational tool for kids and I think it's just a great learning tool to help them have a a better understanding of what real life is right not everything's just handed to them so tell me how old do you think your youngest two will be when they get cell phones again it's it's kind of their maturity level and whether or not it's necessary so probably not till they're in their teens so you said Gabe got one at 13 yeah but that was more because of he was because of his sports stuff and needing to be able to get a hold of him after school and stuff so what if your kids come up to you and say mom I really need a cell phone is it just absolutely no or is it okay why do you need a cell phone Tell me the reasons, and if they're legitimate, I'll let you have one. Right. I mean, if there was a legitimate reason for them needing a cell phone, which at this age there really isn't. At the age of seven, he doesn't need a cell phone, although some of his peers do have cell phones. I think that's a little excessive and and hard. I mean, because 
the uh, monitoring screen time with cell phones is a lot trickier than monitoring your TV or your iPad. Why is that? Because they're always with them. So like him going, so like with Gabe, he, you know, walking to school, he's on his cell phone, you know, on the bus, he's on his cell phone. I don't know what he does when he's I thought you had parental controls. I do. But what I'm saying is like the parental controls are for, yeah, you can have the phone shut off after like a certain amount of time. Uh But what I'm saying is I don't know exactly what he's doing when he's not around me. Can you check his phone? Yeah, I can check his phone. You know, you check the minutes and whatnot, but. Do you, um, ch- do you check the websites he's gone to or the, what, what he's I'm doing? I'm just saying it? it's a, it's a lot harder to monitor it. No, but than... what I'm saying is, do you check his messages? Do you look at the websites he's been through just from a point yeah. of reference? Yeah, I do. I do. Cause I do check his, as I've mentioned multiple times, I do not have children and I'm just kind of curious what parents of children are doing now. I have like every once in a while I'll check to see, you know, what he's up to, you know, cause he is a teenage boy. Okay. Interesting. But there are app, different apps and different things. Uh, there's like one called safe eyes that you can download that helps keep them out of like pornographic stuff, um, inappropriate things that might be bad for them. So what would be some things that you would see on his cell phone that would cause you to be alarmed? Found um, naked pictures. Wait, you did find this? Yeah. Oh my good lord. He'd probably be humiliated if he knew you were talking about it on this podcast. (laughs) Um, So it was like YouTube videos that he pulled up of naked girls dancing. Oh god. He's 13. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I remember when I was like 10 or 11... Yeah, maybe even younger than that, coming across some Playboy magazines and mm-hmm. opening them up and being curious about it because in our That's sort of normal. in our sort of culture, like nudity and bodies were very private and very um this just not something you talked about, not something you looked at. You didn't even see that stuff when you had sex education classes. So if you came across something like that, you'd be like, what is it? I want to see it. I want to experience it. Not in a sort of sexual way, but more in a curious way. Okay. I have to tell you this because it's kind of funny. So you know how Jara used to read, our sister Jara used to read those romance books. Oh, yeah. I used yeah. to go through her romance books and try to find the word kiss. What? <laughs> Why? And then I would laugh. Oh my God. How old were you? I was like, I don't know. I was young. I was like seven. Oh my God. That is too much. I was young, but I would, I would go through books and be like, ooh, kissy. (laughs) Let's rein it back in. So you found some nude stuff on Gabe's phone. Did you confront him or did you, what what did you do? I did talk to him about it. Um, I let him know because so that, that was when it was the, I, he was looking up things on the iPad. The iPad is connected to my phone. Oh, boy. So whatever he's looking at on the iPad, I can see everything, the search history and all oh the stuff. And it said, <laughs> I just want to let you know that you, you probably don't want to look at anything that you know I'm going to see that you've looked at. Uh-oh. You know, for your own sake, I was like, 
what do you want us to know about what you're looking at? And what did he say? He was like, oh, okay. So I was like, if, if you're comfortable, I was like, how comfortable are you going to feel if you know that I saw what you looked at? And he was like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, just having conversation. And for me, it's like just having conversations with them about like, different things and I'm like you know it's totally normal that you're curious about females naked body just letting him know you're not shaming him about it because that's not going to help anything but just letting him know you know that's totally normal but you have to be careful because that can be an addictive thing and and it will kind of take away from the actual experience of meeting a girl and having a real experience, you know, so. So keeping the lines of communication open without allowing them to go too far and also kind of limiting it at the same time. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Because you don't want to create like that Romeo and Juliet effect of, you know, it's a forbidden thing. I don't you even think that's I, mean? I don't even think that's a Romeo and Juliet effect as much as you tell them they they, they absolutely can't do something they're going to go out of their way to do something. Yeah. Just because they know it's forbidden. This is the point in the show where we <laughs> say goodbye for now. So long farewell. Please rate, review and subscribe if you have any questions, comments or suggestions, please send us an email. If you have any personal experiences on this particular issue, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com or hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com. We will put those in the show notes. Please join us again next week when we talk more about medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye. Bye.